Welcome to CHN Radio. Um, it is one of your hosts right here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, Elijah Newsome. Um, I'm super pumped to be on this pod. We're doing a solo episode, so it's just going to be me and you. It's going to be kind of, in- kind of intimate. Um, Greg's out doing important business stuff. And so he left the podcast in my hands, which could turn out to be a mistake. Um, we've done it before, and... Uh, I don't know if people like it. If y'all like the solo episodes, let us know. Let us know for real so we know you know whether or not to do this. But anyway, if you want to follow um, our podcast, uh, CHN Radio, the number one Newcastle United podcast for Coming Home Newcastle, also the only truly black and white podcast, you can do that at CHN underscore radio on Twitter. And also follow our main side account, Coming Home Newcastle, at Coming Home NUFC. Both accounts bring glorious tweets, hilarious takes. Oh, it's so good. And you're missing out if you aren't following us on Twitter. I'm going to be real with you guys. If you're not following us, what in the world are you doing? Because you're just missing out on all the coolest things in the world. Um, so anyway, you can do that. And you can also follow me on Twitter if you want to. I'm at Elijah underscore Newsome. So um, yeah, we got an exciting episode for you, a little brown liquor ep- episode, because we lost, so that sucks. Um, so uh, we'll be sipping on some Elijah Craig small batch, so if you're American and have access to that, pick it up. If you're if you're British, then I don't know what to tell you. Casker? I think that's a site you can order whiskey and stuff from. Anyway, um, we lost to Liverpool at Anfield 3-1. Um, a two-goal loss, I think, is a good loss. Um, didn't really affect our goal dif- differential all that. Um, well, it's not going to affect it all that much um, in the long run um, because I you have to just bet on the fact that there's going to be teams that really go for it and lose 5 nothing to uh, Liverpool or 6 nothing to Man City because that literally happens every year. So with that loss, Newcastle do drop into the relegation zone um, at 18th, uh, with their last five matches being um, a loss, a draw, a win, and two losses. Um, so nothing to write home about, nothing to be particularly excited about, but all this sets us up for a massive six-pointer against Brighton early on in the season to start off a a string of somewhat winnable games for Newcastle to kind of bounce back from. So before we get into the match, we're going to talk through some club news. Um, so Newcastle United U23s, um, they played today. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> they uh, they actually won, uh, which is also cool. So it kind of sucks that Greg's not here because he'd be able to really tell you um, like what this means and all this good stuff and blah 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 and blah blah blah. blah. So um, what I do know is Rosero Longello Longello. I'm not really sure how to say his name. Hadn't really heard of him, but um, he kicked things off against Norwich City at Whitley Park. Um, 
And he uh, he started things off with a beautiful, just absolutely beautiful goal. Um, apparently, like a curled in effort, like top corner, blah blah blah, and um, that got the things got it going for uh, for Newcastle. Um, they then responded with Luke Charman, who. Um, who scored the second goal, and so Newcastle um, were up 2-0. Um, they ended up blowing the 2-0 lead, and then coming back and winning 3-2 with Thomas Allen scoring. So um, an impressive display for the U23s. Um, I don't really know what this means. I, well, I guess Greg can kind of explain it on the way back, but, I mean, good for them. Um, I know Neil Redfern did have this to say. which very predictable. Neil Redfern says he's pleaded with his side's resilience but believes there are lessons to be learned from tonight's five-goal thriller. Um, so that happened today. Um, if you want to check things out, the Chronicle wrote a pretty good match report on it. So be sure to give those guys a, a read. I know that people give them a lot of slack. But, um, yeah, so um, we'll try to spare um, you of some of the less relevant news. Um because there are some weird stories that were floating around, potential takeovers, all that kind of crap. We're not going to address that until it's concrete. Um, so the next story we'll hit on, uh, we'll talk about Martin Dubrovka. Uh, so it's kind of been floated around, and it's, I'd say it's now becoming a very popular um, sentiment and kind of understanding between media, the club, and the public that Martin Dubrovka is the first guy that Newcastle are trying to re-sign on a long-term deal. Um, there's some other guys in that realm. I believe Sean Longstaff's one of them. Uh, Jojo Shelby's contract, I believe, runs out at the end of the season. So um, that's another guy they're probably looking at to re-sign. And I legitimately cannot remember who the, the fourth person is. But um, Dubrovka is the first and most important, you could argue, um, in order, you know, in terms of getting a new deal. And so once that was announced that uh, it seems like Newcastle are somewhat close to getting a new deal for Dubrovka, um, a lot of really spicy takes came out on Twitter um, about Dubrovka. Obviously, there's a little bit of um, recency bias because uh, Dubrovka did have a massive mess up during the Liverpool match. But all that to say... It's no need, it's no reason for, wow, that's good. It's no reason for uh, fans to be up in arms um, and demanding we don't re-sign him because Martin Dubrovka has arguably been our best player um, signed underneath the Rafa Benitez tenure. You can throw in, uh, you can throw in Fabian Scherer for that award, Florian Lejeune. But when you talk about amount of games played, amount of matches saved for us, um, and just pure impact on the team, it really is hard to argue against Martin Dubrovka uh, being one of the best signings that Newcastle made, um, and just for like four and a half mil, I believe. So um, a bargain deal is someone that Newcastle are definitely trying to tie up. So that's something to monitor, pay attention to. I would imagine that if a deal gets done, it's going to get done relatively quickly, and hopefully within the next week or so. Um, so that's something to definitely pay attention to. Um, we're going to move on to some encouraging news for fans like myself and Greg, who have pointed out Newcastle's lack of attacking options on the bench. Um, as you guys saw at the Liverpool match, um, when Newcastle desperately needed a goal, they can only turn to Yoshinori Muto, who was then caught offside um, multiple times. So, um, 
that happened. Um, Andy Carroll is apparently um, a little bit ahead of schedule um, in terms of his return, and there are rumors floating around. And Steve Bruce did say this in his his post his uh, his uh, his post match presser that um, that basically Carroll is. Um, returning in training, he's had, if he lasts this whole week in training, um, he will um, be up for selection in the team sheet for the Brighton match this weekend. So that's something to pay attention to. Uh, you know, I don't see why Andy Carroll wouldn't be in training. Um, apparently he's been taking care of his body. It's it's good to see that he's a bit of ahead of schedule. Um, no new news right now on Alan St. Maximin. No new news on Longstaff at the moment. Um, he's currently undergoing assessment. Maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, there's news out. But for now, what we do know is that Andy Carroll potentially could be available for the Brighton match, which would be a much-needed striker for Newcastle as, um, you know, in terms of pure number nines, Newcastle uh, only, only really have Joel Linton, and he's more of a, he's kind of a, I've been operating more as a false nine and dropping back kind of deep and that kind of stuff. Um, so, Andy Carroll returning would be a much-needed bonus for Newcastle, especially given the news that no one really knows what's going on with Dwight Gale. Um, so, and uh, we'll wrap things up here with our club news segment by um, talking a little BS meter. So, um, if it's not even Jan, it's not nowhere near close to January. The regular transfer window for everyone else in the world just closed a couple weeks back, and we're already getting some January transfer windows. Um, and uh, the first one um, is uh, is about Sevilla winger um, Ronnie Lopez. It seems to be the target for Steve Bruce. Now, um, let's break this down uh, before I give my BS meter on it. So, first things first, Newcastle do need wingers. Um, so, Orlando Aarons, uh, Jacob Murphy, uh, like they're not cutting it, and both were loaned out. Um, really, right now, we really only have Alan St. Maximin and uh, Adam Mideron, and, I mean, Yoshinori Muto is being employed as a winger. Matt Ritchie's currently injured. Um and St. Maximin's injury. So Newcastle, uh, you could argue they do need wingers. Um, and while Matt Ritchie and St. Maximin are probably going to be back before January, um, it's st- still good to have that depth, especially since Matt Ritchie, um, until, I mean, it's debatable, but could be considered our less, our best left wing back, and he's kind of moved... You could argue he's not really a winger anymore. I don't know. Who knows what Steve Bruce is doing? Um, that all that to say, yes, Newcastle need a winger, um, and Ronnie Lopez is a target of Steve Bruce. Um, for in terms of the Mike Ashley test, he does pass the Mike Ashley test. Um, he's 23. Was a highly touted prospect. Um, played at Man City. Um, was um, at Monaco, I believe. Um, afterwards. Uh, and would cost around 20 million pounds and is one of those guys who, um, you know, potentially you could sell on for, you know, 40, 50 million pounds um, if if he pans out well. And that's a big if. Um, just to give some perspective on the lad, um, Ronnie Lopez joined Sevilla 
um, who's being managed by Lopigetti, Lope, Julian Lopigetti, who you may know as the guy who got fired from as being the Spain manager, um, like right before the World Cup. Um, so anyway, Ronnie Lopez was bought from Monaco, um, where he absolutely torched it in Monaco um, in 2017 and 2018. 15 goals um, as a winger, which is very impressive, but obviously a very good Monaco team, very solid Monaco team. He played for us, played Champions League football. Um, as I said, started it with Man City um, and joined Sevilla this past summer for 18 mil. Um, has had a very awful season. Has not really uh, done well in La Liga. Uh, the, the I don't know if it's the style of play that Sevilla play or if it's uh, the competition level of La Liga. But he just has not been able to find playing time. And that has led to um, him only making one appearance um, in La Liga as an 11-minute substitute, 11-minute cameo as a substitute. Um, other than that, he's not made the squad for the last three for three of the last four matches for Sevilla as as of recording this podcast, which is September 16th um, in the in the states so um all that to say this is a player who's struggling la liga um came from monaco highly touted prospect blah 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 um i would say if you're comparing him a current newcastle player in terms of story jetra willems similar situation struggling at frankfurt in terms of getting playing time but he was at least getting champions league play time or sorry europa league play time um, it doesn't really look like Lopez is even getting cup stuff, and so that's a bit concerning. And all I have to say, I think in terms of BS meter, this is like a dump truck full of BS. I mean, it's very early to really make any definitive claims about Newcastle's January um, business, especially because Newcastle are notorious for waiting until the last minute to do January business, which makes it way worse. Um, I mean, if they're getting ahead of the game and trying to do deals far in advance, I guess this makes sense. Um, but the other thing to consider is this is a player that was just brought in um, this past summer. Um, and I think, but not like, I want to say there was a player we were looking at or signed the same situation, but I'm pretty sure it might have been Kraft. Um, it could have been Kraft. Don't someone fact check me on that. Um, anyway, same situation where like they, you know, they just really signed this summer. Nuke, it was a player we were linked to, I think, and Newcastle could have bought him. But the difference between that and Lopez is that that player who we were linked to, um, had spent the season on loan with the other team, so it was like they already knew his capabilities. It might have been Kraft, actually. Um, now that I think about it, but anyway, uh, with Lopez. Uh, Sevilla just bought him for 18 mil this past summer, and they're just now seeing what he's about and whether or not he's um, fit for La Liga. And it could be a tactical thing. Um, it could be a situation where um, by the time we're ready to pull the trigger in January, he's already well integrated in the team. Um, all that to say, it's just it's it's too uncertain at this moment in time, um, and that, to to really kind of figure out whether or not this this deal is for real, which is why I'm saying it's a load of BS. I mean, like I said, they just got him for 18 mil, and to say that we have a 20 million kind of price tag we've set on him is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, sure, they'd like to make some money, but literally a, a net increase of 2 mil is laughable. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't think that this is um, a deal Newcastle is seriously pursuing. Maybe it's someone that they're scouting, 
uh, maybe someone to keep an eye on potentially next year, and they could try to get him for the cheap in the summer if he really doesn't pan out Sevilla. But, I mean, in terms of a January signing, I think when it's January, it's best to bring in proven players, especially if you're Newcastle and you could potentially be in a relegation-type situation, relegation-battle-type situation. I want you to bring in a proven Premier League winger who is either on the bench at a big club or is starting somewhere in the Premier League or um, is maybe was a starting winger the reach or at, was is a starting ring, winger jeez cannot speak tonight is the starting winger at a recently relegated side um, you know Swansea etc cetera, etc cetera, that kind of stuff um so yeah uh, dump truck full of BS for that one um and uh, we're gonna get into the match after we take a quick break um, where some person will read some sort of advertisement to you trying to sell you on something or get you to listen to another podcast and i say hey go for it listen to it let's take this break and wow what a break that was um so we're back um we squared up against liverpool this past weekend and what was um if you're american potentially a like just a hassle to wake up for. Um, I know Greg in his time zone, uh, he it was a 4:30 a.m. start in my time zone. It was a 6:30 a.m. start because I was in Auburn, Alabama. I think I've mentioned on the podcast before. My girlfriend goes to Auburn. I was visiting her. Blah blah blah. That's not important. What's important is that I woke up at 6:30 in the morning for six in the morning really for this match. Um, and I know that Graham was there, our writer Graham. Shout out to Graham. Shout out to Graham for real, who had just announced on Twitter that he has a new baby bell, which is pretty. Baybell. Bay, I think he said Baybell. I don't know. Those cheese, those little cheese. Well, I think they're called Baybells. Um, he just basically Graham's getting a kid. So shout out to Graham. Wrote a book and now he's having a kid. Congrats on the fornication, bro. That's dope. Um, anyway, so. Um, Graham was there. There were some Newcastle fans who woke up early to travel to Anfield uh, for what was sure to be a thrilling match um, between Liverpool and Newcastle. JK, nobody thought it was going to be thrilling. And it kind of went exactly how we expected it to be, which kind of is why no one was really upset about the match, if we're being honest. Um, As we said earlier... uh, Newcastle did lose this match uh, 3-1, um, which, of course, is not ideal, but, you know, it happens. Um, it's better than losing uh, 4-1, but, I mean, it didn't come, it wasn't a pretty loss, and there were some things to be concerned about, um, mainly Fabian Shear coming off with an injury, that kind of stuff, uh, things you don't really want to see um, in a loss, but, um, we're going to go to your three words now. So there's only a few guys who commented. It kind of goes like this. If Newcastle lose a match, they shouldn't. We get a ton of three words. And if they win a match, we get a ton of three words. Um, and then if they lose a match that everyone expects for them to lose, it's just kind of meh. So all I ask is that if you're doing three words, just just do it every match. Like, you know it's coming. Like, just do it. Um, so obviously we're going to start with the GOAT questionnaire, Trevor Mooney. Uh, he says Brucey's still shite. You can follow him at Trevor Mooney. Um, I'm pretty sure that's his Twitter. Yeah, it's at Trevor Mooney12. 
I didn't realize there were 11 other Trevor Moonies out there, but I guess there are. Uh, Will Watson at Batman's Milkman says, no surprises here. Toon Army Denver at Mile High Magpie. Shout out to those guys. Injury list, worrisome. Jeff Can at Jeff Can 4 says, we are good. Bucky at Bucky is my name says, this is fine. Don at Smick Ultra says, it could have been worse. And Jonathan Grieve at Johnny Grieve says, to be expected. So the consensus is that this is a... A well-deserved loss. And I will say this as someone who watched the full 90. Newcastle could have easily taken a point or potentially won this match if it wasn't for two mistakes. And we'll get into that um, right now, actually. Let's talk through the match. Um, So as you know, Newcastle did lose 3-1. And um, the cool thing about this match is that it started with a little bit of an an, un- Started with a little bit of an unexpected uh, goal, a bit of a flare coming from a source that we weren't expecting. So um, if anyone was a score in this match, you would imagine it would be John Joe Shelby because he shoots all the time or, uh, you know, Joel Linton because, you know, that's his job. Uh, potentially Miguel Admiron because he's hungry for a goal. Atsu would have almost scored because that's his M.O. But um, what happened was Jetro Willems, actually, after a crossfield ball from Cher uh, to Atsu, who chested it down, he played it to Jetro Willems, who was just outside the box on the left-hand side, as a left playing as a left wing back, um, who cut in, shot, and scored. Um, that was cool. And before I forget, let's actually run through the lineups real quick, um, just so... Um, anyone who didn't watch kind of has an idea of the teams. Um, I would say Newcastle put out a very much expected team, um, given the injuries and given uh, you know our depth. Um, we started a back five of jo- of Jetra Willems, Paul Dummett, Jamal Sells, Fabian Sherry, and Emil Kraft. Uh, Martin Dubrovka obviously was in goal. Um, in our midfield, John Joe Shelby and Isaac Hayden with Miguel Admiron and Christian Atsu providing service along the wings with Joel Linton up top. Uh, Liverpool, like I suspected, did rotate at least one of those five important players um, in, terms, in their attack. And uh, they did not play uh, Firmino and instead played Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah um, up top with Divac Origi. Uh, in a front three, which really kind of at times looked like Mane and Salah playing um, as a two, as kind of a uh, as a kind of a strike pair with Oxlade Chamberlain and Divac Origi providing the width with Georgina Wijnaldum and Fabinho in the midfield. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold started at fullback, obviously. Um, right fullback and Joel Matip. Um, Virgil Van Dyke were the center backs with Andy Robertson out to the left. Um, so, and Adrian in goal, who you do what you gotta do when your number one keeper is injured. So, um, so yeah, anyway, back to the match. So, Jetra Williams cut in and curled in an absolute beauty for a goal that put Newcastle up 1-0. Um, after that, Newcastle kind of uh, really sat back on their heels and held their own for 20 or so minutes. Um, there was some 
I th- Liverpool looked good going forward. I mean, somewhat, but Newcastle were more there, and they were packing it in. Uh, there was jokes saying um, that Miguel Almiron was playing like right wing back. I mean, Newcastle were were just absolutely just parking the bus because you score so early, and you weren't even. To be honest, it doesn't even look like Brucey was expecting them. I mean, to score, um, especially so early. Um, Alex Oxlade, I can't say his name, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he had a couple shots, um, he kind of shot one wide, Mane tried to cheat, tried to like do a little cheeky little flick, um, it went over the, the cross, um, and then uh, there was a moment where John Joe Shelby tried to shoot from within our half and it was well wide, if he put that on target, it could have been 2-0, uh, Origi was very involved kind of early on. It's really Salah was just like kind of a ghost. Kind of take either taking it easy or just was just like an absolute ghost on um, this match. He just really wasn't great. Um Andy Robertson uh then got things going for Liverpool. He attacked that that uh that right hand side. Um, with Emil Kraft, who we just spent an entire two episodes really praising, um, absolutely torched Emil Kraft, um, and then uh, sent the ball into Sadio Mane, who just slammed home um, the 1-1 goal. Um, this is the two mistakes I was referring to earlier. This was the first one. Emil Kraft was simply just caught out of position. After being so solid as a back line, uh, Emil Kraft stepped up when he shouldn't have. He should have held his ground and kind of tracked back and prepared to block the cross from Andy Robertson. Instead, he tried to attack Andy Robertson head-on before he was able to get into a position where he could um, make a cross, and Andy Robertson just ran right past him. He just doesn't have the pace to compete with Andy Robertson, and Robertson whipped in a ball. Mane scores, and that's done and dusted. That At that point, you're like, that's one mistake. Newcastle still looks solid in terms of defense, Liverpool's chances are few and far between. I mean, they that was literally like their second chance, no third chance of the match, um, in thirty or so minutes, which you know is kind of standard for Liverpool. You're thinking we're fine, that's whatever, and you know it's cool, whatever. Um, and then Origi got injured, uh, and he had to be taken off the pitch. And um, Steve Bruce's worst nightmare, as he kind of admitted in the press conference, uh, Robert Firmino came on, and he is just very good. So um, that kind of led to a formation change. Uh, Firmino, uh, after Atu lost the ball, Firmino picked it up and then played a through ball to Mane, who shot uh, straight at Dubrovka, um, who tried to parry it away. He dove down and tried to parry it away. He should have tried to hold on to the ball, but he tried to parry it away. It was a weak parry, and it went straight to Mane, and Mane finished. It was a tap-in for him, and it was 2-1 at that point. Um, Newcastle went into the half, uh, down 2-1. Even then, really, spirits were kind of high because Newcastle, then again, like, it's two mistakes. You can kind of bounce back from that. If you get a chance, you can convert. Um, that kind of thing, like, I honestly didn't feel that bad about it, because I'm just like, it was two kind of freak mistakes, Dubrovka makes a rare mistake, and Emil Kraft, who has a very solid track record in terms of defending, 
um, outside of Newcastle, of course. Um, he makes a mistake and lets a guy who just shouldn't run past him run past him. And so you're like, all right, whatever, cool. I mean, 2-1 loss is not a bad loss, blah, blah, blah. Um, at some point in the match, um, Emil Kraft had an opportunity to equalize and completely skied it. And at that point, I knew Newcastle were just going to lose. It was kind of inevitable, only amount of time before Salah just carved up the defense and scored a goal. And so Newcastle ended up losing this one 3-1. Um, not particularly impressive from a lot of players. Um, well, offensively, I would say. Not particularly impressive for a lot of players. I think defensively, Newcastle held their ground. They looked pretty solid. Um, you know, there was just, it's just one of those matches where, like, a couple mistakes just cost you points, and that's okay. I would honestly have rather that match happen uh, the way it did rather than us just getting obliterated 5-6-0 and our defense not looking organized. I think there were moments of unorganization from the defense, but overall, I think we were solid. Um, I think that um, we kind of contained a very good midfield for um, Liverpool. Um, why now them was involved, but I feel like Fabinho really didn't make his mark on the match. Um, and we scared the Liverpool back line a couple times with somehow, um, with, with, sorry, with how, uh, potent our counterattack can be. Um, just some quick notes. I think Joel Linton, uh, did not do enough to get involved. Um, I think, you know, he had some decent spells of, he had a couple good moments of hold up play, but other than that, uh, just really struggled to find the ball. And again, I don't really think that's on him. I still am in the boat of that's on the Steve Bruce tactics of just like we don't swing the ball in enough to a guy who we're playing as like a target man that we also want to drop back as a false nine. It's this whole ordeal. And it's like get the man opportunity to score and he'll score. Um, so there's that. Miguel Amaron looked better. Um, still not to the level that I think fans want him to be, but he looked better, so that was a positive. Um, he was offside a fair bit, um, but other than that, he looked really good defending, uh, really good trying to start counters. Um, often was always on, often was on his own uh, on counterattacks. Uh, Joe Linton just at certain times drops just way too deep and disengages himself from the counter. And you, as as a striker, you have to kind of. And it, I think it will come in time, but it's like when you have the pace of Atsu and Almiron to your side, you have to know you, you can't drop back too deep, even if it's to help defend. It's like at some point you have to recognize that the best place for you as a striker is up the pitch because on a counter, even if you were helping defend, you're just more useful um, getting yourself in a goal-scoring opportunity on the counter. So um, just a quick note for Joel Linton. Um, so... Let's hop into a little bit of stats. I don't really have that many. I'm not a stats guy. Um, for those who've been living underneath a rock, uh, Liverpool, that was their 14th straight uh, Premier League win, um, all by two goals or more, which is something that no one has ever done, um, which is insane. Uh, Newcastle lead the league in offsides calls, uh, which is something that was 
uh, kind of highlighted uh, because Miguel Almiron has been offside a ton. He leads the team with nine offsides and probably leads the league in nine offsides. But um, Newcastle uh, lead the league with 20 offsides. Um, and that is uh, a lot of offsides. The next highest. It's 15 with Arsenal. They're more of an attacking team. Um, but Newcastle are top of the league in the one category at least, which is cool to say. Um, Newcastle were offsides this past match eight times. So if you look at, we've played, I think, three or four matches so far. Eight of the 20 offsides occurred in this one match um, between Muto and Almiron, really. Uh, Muto, uh, as much stick as he gets for being offsides a lot, which he was offsides a lot in the past couple seasons. Um, Miguel Amaral, like I said, leads the league. Well, probably leads the league and leads the team in offsides with nine. Um, so that is not ideal. If we turn to 538, as I said earlier, we're currently 18th in the table. 538 has us finishing 15th right now um, with a 25% chance to get relegated. And a 2% chance to qualify for the Champions League. And a less than 1% chance to uh, win the league. They have us above Norwich, Watford, Brighton, Sheffield. As well as Aston Villa. Aston Villa and West Ham drew today. Um, So that kind of seems spot on. Aston Villa firmly at the bottom of the table right now. uh, Which, well, no, sorry. In in this league, they're firmly at the bottom of the table. Um, I honestly don't know where they are currently in the table. If one of you guys wants to check that, you can. Um, so we're going to pop into Steve Bruce's uh, press conference. Um, so uh, he had a couple things he did say that were um, really cool. Um, and I think that are worth noting. Uh, on the second half, Bruce had, Bruce had this to say. When you're in it and you've got something to play for, of course, it's, it's always that gives you a little bit... That, okay, let's let's start over because Steve Bruce, this is not English. Um, he says when you're in it and you got something to play for, of course it's always that gives you a little bit more energy. I guess that works. It's always that that I think you have to add another that. Anyway, we'll just read the quote and we'll respond to it later. When you're in it and you've got something to play for, of course it's always that that gives you a little bit more energy. It would have been great to get in at halftime at one one. Duh. Second half, they were very, very good. It was just wave after wave. Thankfully, we stuck it out and showed a bit of resilience. We had a big chance at 2-1, and it might have been a bit unjust when you come to places like this and you don't get too many of those kinds of chances. If that had gone in, it would have been a different story. Shoulda, coulda, woulda is what I say to that. I mean, yeah, if that had gone in from Kraft, it would have been a different story, but the story is that that wasn't the story. Um... Newcastle weren't dangerous on the counter, and it's like, if you're going to sit back and defend, you need to be a little bit more dangerous on the counter. Um, Dubrovka talked about, uh, he talked about Dubrovka. Um, he said the goalkeeper may, maybe looks at it and says it could have cleared the whole lot out, but it wasn't bit to me. Um, and he said this about Liverpool. He said they're very good. Their front three, their midfield, and their fullbacks are always a threat, and that's why they're champions of Europe. The disappointing thing for me is that second goal in particular. We made a couple errors, and when you come to Anfield, or anywhere, you can't make that sort of mistake. We gave the ball away in the middle of the pitch and left ourselves open. Um, so, Steve Bruce, spot on with all of his stats. I mean, not stats, all of his quotes. I mean, he's right. 
uh, Atsu in that situation, you just cannot give the ball straight away to Liverpool. Um, they're so dangerous, and they kind of proved it with uh, Firmino picking up that loose ball, playing in the Mane and Mane scoring. So, I mean, that's that on like Liverpool um, in that match. Um, as I said, we lost 3-1. It wasn't particularly a fun match to watch, I would say. Uh, Newcastle struggled um, to get anything going offensively. No real nice run of play from Newcastle. Um, I guess outside of this Fabian Shear crossfield ball to Christian Atsu who set up Jetro Willems, sure, that was a great passage of play. But other than that, uh, Newcastle struggled to actually um, create chances, which is still a little bit alarming. So we'll get into the best and worst player uh, right now. So... I'll go my worst player being, um, we'll go a Millcraft. He just wasn't great today after having a solid outing um, the past couple of matches, especially against Tottenham, um, and after his debut especially. I mean, his debut was not great, but he's bounced back tremendously from it, and uh, he just didn't look good today. I mean, the first goal was completely his fault. He uh, missed that chance to tie the match. It just there's so much you, you could say about him that kind of le- leads to the opinion that he's the worst player of this match, and um, it sucks because he really I think is probably one of our better fullbacks. I think in terms of pure defending, I probably would, probably would take him over Yedlin because Yedlin relies so much on speed and Kraft kind of tries to cut down certain angles. Um, yeah, I just. It, it sucks, but Kraft is definitely the worst player um, I saw today. Honorable mention, Joel Linton, just not involved. Um, and it's, like I said, part of it's not his fault. Part of it's just the tactics we play. But the fact of the matter is he wasn't involved. Um, and it, it cost Newcastle uh, three points. I mean, if we could get Joel Linton involved more on the counter then you know, maybe Newcastle make a goal, but Jolinton's so far back, whether that's the tactics he's been assigned or whether that's just, like, his personal preference, he was just too far back um, and dropping far too deep to make any sort of difference when we transitioned to the counter. The counterattack this match was pretty much Miguel Anirone and, and Christian Atsu with Isaac Hayden kind of joining in. I think, like, even in build-up on, off of counters, uh, I, I barely saw... Uh, Joel Linton. So that's just something to keep him an eye out for. I'm sure that it's probably going to get fixed, but um, for now, it's something to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, and let's move on to the best player. Uh, it's kind of tough to to really say, but I I'm going to go with Jetro Willems, the goal scorer. Not only because the goal he scored was magnificent, but he also swung in a couple good crosses I guess swung in a couple of good crosses as well kind of showing his worth on on that left wing back side and kind of reassuring um, our faith um, in the left wing back position with Matt Ritchie out so uh, Jetro Willems I think deserves that man in the match Um, he worked his tail off and and you know what he looked good doing it so uh, shout out to Jetro Willems Um, so Let's see. Is there anything else we have regarding the match? I don't think so. So, um, with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break here, uh, and uh, we'll be. I'll see you on the other side. 
So now we get the pleasure of doing questions. So um, we have one question today from Big Cell. Um, he says, Big Cell 5 says, where did the Premier League goals come from? Uh, and he lists the stats. He says, Joel Linton, 1-5, and Almiron, 0-15, Gale, 6-35, Muto, 1-21, Carroll, 3-28, St. Gucci, Max, uh, to be determined, and it's pronounced Big Chell. Wait, that just blew my mind. Big Chell. So his name is not Big Cell, it's Big Chell. Okay, that's good to know. Um, it's that's that is good to know. Good to know, Big Chell. Um, sorry if I've ever roasted you on the podcast. I roast everyone, uh, but this is a very good question. Um, and so I think it's going to go from whoever is playing in that wing role outside of Joel Linton and and uh, sorry next to Joel Linton. Uh, not Miguel Almiron. Miguel has not been a particularly like great guy at creating goal. He, not, sorry, rewind. Uh, Miguel has not been particularly a great guy at uh, like scoring a lot of goals. A lot of his goals with Atlanta United. Um, he's just it, like I said this in our preview pod a while while ago. He's a very unselfish player, so he always looks for this. The, the, the pass to set up someone instead of just taking the shot on himself sometimes. And he has the ability to score, but it's kind of his downfall. So I that for that mentality reason, like his whole mentality of like trying to create for others, I don't know if the Premier League goals are going to come from Miguel. I'll say Joel Linton because he seems like he's a, a good finisher, but it, it doesn't seem like right now Steve Bruce is equipping um, our team to be as successful as they could be. I mean, let's break it down real quick. We're going to talk about this. We need to have a dialogue. Uh, Joel Linton is not getting service, but I think part of that is because Steve Bruce is telling him to drop deep, but also he's not telling the wingers to provide service for Joel Linton. I think I barely see crosses swung in from Newcastle players, and after every match, Steve Bruce is always saying we need to swing some balls in for Joel Linton. we got to get some balls in for him, and it's like, if you want that to happen, you have to tell your players to do that. And I'm not seeing that at all, partially because Steve Bruce plays his wingers on the wrong side of the field. Miguel Amaron, if you want to play him as a winger, uh, he's left-footed. Play him as a left winger. That's what Rafa did, um, and it allows him to shoot more often. It allows him to cross the ball more often, and he doesn't roam out of position because he's comfortable being on that left-hand side. Atsu, you can kind of play on either side, but in this case, it doesn't make sense to play uh, Almiron at at left wing, uh, especially because he's left-footed, and you want him to swing in balls. At St. Gucci Max, the same way, he's right-footed, playing at right wing, etc., etc. Now, um... That's the first step, especially because we all know Miguel Amaron was signed here as a cam, and he, if you follow the MLS in any way, you know his best moments were as a cam or potentially a second striker, and now that he's being asked to play an out-and-out winger, something he's not particularly used to, he's obviously struggling, and it doesn't help that he's playing on the wrong side he's not comfortable in. He had a cross this last match where he had to literally like, cut in, create space for himself, and then cut the ball in and swing the ball in, as sort of like uh, an in-swinger, 
uh, and almost looking like an early ball in order to get across um, to Joel Linton. So, um, yeah, so all that to say, I don't think it will come from Almiron. Um, and if we keep up the tactics right now, it won't come from Joel Linton. St. Gucci Max, potentially, but I honestly, my money's more on the midfield defense and wing backs. I mean, those guys have actually seemed like they want to go forward and go for goal. And um, it seems like if Newcastle have spells of possession where the, the opposition are covering Almiron, uh, Atsu, and Joel Linton tightly and monitoring their runs, guys like Fabian Scher are able to make runs forward and, and get a shot off. Additionally, Newcastle are going to score a lot of goals this season, I feel, off of set pieces and probably six times out of ten a set piece goal is going to come from some sort of defender so it's a great question big chow um and that wraps up our question segment and honestly it wraps up our show uh thanks for listening thanks for hanging out like i said earlier in the podcast if you're not following us on twitter please do at chn underscore radio um and of course follow the main coming home newcastle account at coming home in UFC, I'll leave you with this. Leave you with these few words. As a owner of Newcastle United, um, a, a partial owner of Newcastle United, I have this to say about this past week's loss to Liverpool. It is very disappointing to lose to Liverpool, but we didn't lose any money doing so. So that's good for me. It's good for the company, and uh, we'll keep you in the loop about uh, my status as an owner of Newcastle United. Um, but yes, of course, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you want to. Um, what I would say to all of you Newcastle fans who are kind of worried, don't be worried. I mean, I don't think there's many of you that are worried right now, but just please don't be worried. Um, this loss to Liverpool, I wouldn't say, is a big deal. I think that it's a calculated loss. Two-goal loss is a solid loss. I think Bruce sees it the same way. What's really important is this upcoming match against Brighton. Um, the team's a little bit battered up right now, but I would love to see as full strength of a squad as you could possibly get for this matchup against Brighton because Newcastle could easily win that match if they put forth the effort and put forth the personnel to do so. Um, my name is Elijah Newsom, and the sound that you're hearing right now is either Bladen Races or Coming Home Newcastle. I'm honestly not sure because I'm not sure if I'm going to be editing this or Greg's going to be editing this. So if I'm editing it, it's Bladen Races. If Greg's editing it, it's Coming Home Newcastle. So yeah, away the lads. We love you guys. Peace out. Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're forty and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. I 